The fourth cup of the Seder, like the fourth horn and chariot of Zechariah, embodies the empire of Rome. To follow that final cup with next year in Jerusalem is to ponder the miracle of the Jews that outlasted Rome and returned to Jerusalem. The four cups thus remind us to feel a connection to all of Jewish history, past, present, and future. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 193, Prophecy and History, the Meaning of the Seder. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. We begin today with one of my favorite Civil War stories, told by Joseph Joel, a Jewish member of the Union Army from Ohio, who found himself stationed in the woods of West Virginia. Writing a remembrance after the war, Joel described how as Passover approached, he and his Jewish comrades received permission from their commander, who I believe was Rutherford B. Hayes, to celebrate the Seder. The Jewish soldiers then engaged in a ritual scavenger hunt of sorts in order to provide for themselves the ritual foods of the Passover meal, substituting whenever the usual ingredients could not be obtained. For the purposes of our story, it was two substitutions that were most important. The first relates to the rule that the entire telling of the Exodus tale, the recitation of the Haggadah, the eating of the meal, is supposed to be staged around the pouring, holding, sanctifying, and drinking of four cups of wine. Perhaps lacking kosher wine in West Virginia, Joel decided to utilize alcoholic cider for the occasion. The second substitution involved the maror, the bitter herbs that served to symbolize the sufferings of slavery. While the usual botanical specimens consumed by Jews were unavailable, the faithful foragers found some sort of wild plant that they believed would work. Joel described what transpired, quote, I was selected to read the services, which I commenced by asking the blessing of the Almighty on the food before us and to preserve our lives from danger. The ceremonies were passing off very nicely until we arrived at the part where the bitter herb was to be taken. We all had a large portion of the herb ready to eat at the moment I said the blessing. Each ate his portion. When horrors, what a scene ensued in our little congregation. It is impossible for my pen to describe. The herb was very bitter and very fiery like cayenne pepper and excited our thirst to such a degree that we forgot the law authorizing us to drink only four cups. And the consequence was we drank up all the cider. Those that drank the more freely became excited. And one thought he was Moses, another Aaron, and one had the audacity to call himself a pharaoh. The consequence was a skirmish. With nobody hurt, only Moses, Aaron, and Pharaoh had to be carried to the camp, end quote. The charming story illustrates the ability of Jews to span history, to connect across generations, but it also highlights a central number of the Seder evening. Four, four cups of wine, or in this case, four cups of cider. And as it happens, it is perhaps the most enigmatic book of the Bible, Zechariah, which features the number four and thereby allows us to better understand what the Seder as celebrated is all about. The prophecies of Zechariah or Zechariah, delivered at the dawn of the Second Temple era, are presented as visions and dreams that are quite difficult to interpret and understand. For the great medieval exegete Rabbi David Kimchi, the enigmatic messages of Zechariah, like those of Daniel, reflect the fact that as the Second Temple era begins, the power of prophecy is waning, a phenomenon that we will discuss later this week. That, Rabbi David Kimchi argues, is why the visions lack lucidity. 
To this approach, however, Isaac Abravanel responds that there are prophetic colleagues of Zechariah whose prophetic prose is quite lucid. Thus, Abravanel continues, the meaning of Zechariah's messages are unclear, not because his prophetic ability is waning, but rather because his very subjects are mysterious. And indeed they are. For in fact, according to many rabbinic readers of this text, the visions of Zechariah address the unfolding of the Jewish experience in generations. This is the common understanding of the beginning of chapter two. And here I use the Koran Jerusalem Bible translation. Then I lifted up my eyes and saw, and behold, four horns. And I said to the angel that talked with me, what are these? And he answered me, these are the horns which have scattered Yehuda, Yisrael, and Yerushalayim. Four horns, embodying, according to Zechariah, four powers that are intertwined with the exile of Israel. For many rabbinic interpreters, these horns represent the four empires that ruled over the Jewish people, starting from the first destruction of Jerusalem, the empires of Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. The four horns, in other words, embody much of the rest of Jewish history, because through the actions of Rome, the Jews are ultimately exiled across the earth for almost two millennia. Read this way, Zechariah's vision foresees in some sense all that will occur in the Second Temple period and beyond, the rise of Greece, the attack of Rome, the exile of the Jews. The number four in Zechariah is Jewish history itself. This for many is also the symbolism of another four that appears later in Zechariah's vision, chapter six. And I turned and lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, there came out four chariots from between the two mountains, and the mountains were mountains of brass. In the first chariot were red horses, and the second chariot, black horses, and in the third chariot, white horses, and in the fourth chariot, grizzled bay horses. Then I answered and said to the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? And the angel answered and said to me, these are the four winds of the heavens, which go forth from standing before the Lord of all the earth. Four winds four chariots. Here again, according to Rashi, the reference is to the four empires that are destined to bestride the earth as a colossus. It is a depiction of the unfolding of history. But even as Zechariah envisions the rise and fall of empires and the exile of the Jews, he also predicts the redemption. Thus, following the vision of the four horns, we are told, and the Lord showed me four craftsmen. Then said I, what are they coming to do? And he spoke saying, those were the horns which scattered Yehuda so that no man could lift up his head. But these are come to terrify them, to cast out the horns of the nations which lifted up their horn over the land of Yehuda to scatter it. Who these four craftsmen represent is itself an enigma of enormous interest to the commentators. But for many, they embody four heroic and prophetic figures that will ultimately usher in the messianic age. Thus, ladies and gentlemen, Zechariah encompasses Jewish history because it is a book featuring fours but it is not the only text to do so. The Haggadah, as we have mentioned, is a Passover liturgy staged around four cups of wine. Why four? The most famous explanation in the Jerusalem Talmud, cited everywhere, is that these four cups symbolize four verbs that God utilizes in the book of Exodus to describe the redemption of Israel from Egypt. But an equally important explanation of the rabbis unfortunately cited much less, is found in the very same Talmudic passage that the four cups parallel the very same four empires that we have just discussed. According to this approach, at the Seder, 
through the four cups of wine, we are marking not only the original redemption in Egypt, but also Jewish endurance throughout the ages. Jews that lived under empire after empire, celebrating Passover even when they were not truly free, continuing the journey from age to age. And as we ponder this, we realize that there is profound significance in the fact, as noted by so many, that the Haggadah, like Zechariah, is filled with fours. Four questions are asked. Four sons are depicted being told about the exodus. One can therefore suggest that like the enigmatic visions of Zechariah, the Seder serves as a symbol for the unfolding of Jewish history. And the concluding words of the Seder next year in Jerusalem embodied the belief in the rebuilding of Jerusalem that Seder celebrants were certain was sure to come, as well as a certainty in the ultimate messianic era. It is this era that is also described by Zechariah when the prophet describes a figure known as tzemach, a word that means a growing or flourishing branch. This, a reference to the common metaphor in the prophets, to the Davidic dynasty as a tree, and to the Messiah as a branch or shoot that goes forth. Thus chapter 6, verse 12. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold a man whose name is tzemach, who shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule upon his throne. And there shall be a priest before his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. Thus, the four-cup Seder is actually an act of defiance, a ritual representing history, observed in exile by Jews, who thereby asserted that their exile would not last forever. Many have noted that as practiced, there are superficially striking similarities between the Seder and the symposium, the philosophical drinking party of the Greco-Roman world. But as I have argued in Mosaic, Rightly understood, the Seder is a reversal of the symposium. The latter concluded with a hedonistic and body celebration, while the Seder comes to a close not with Hellenistic hedonism, but with the words next year in Jerusalem, reflecting our own belief that history is not an Epicurean affair, that it is endowed with providential purpose, that it concludes with restoration and redemption, that therefore our actions in history have meaning, and that it is this belief that allowed the Jewish people generation after generation to endure and outlast its enemies. Rabbi Norman Lamb once reflected on the irony of the fact that today at the Seder, Jews lean on their elbows, an affectation that was once part of the Greco-Roman symposium, but which today exists only among the Jews. He wrote, quote, It has always puzzled me. Why adopt for our Jewish religious purposes a former posture that was unique to the Romans of 2,000 years ago? Why retain this fossilized Roman custom when we have so many beautiful Jewish customs? The answer, I suggest, is once again irony. Why is our Seder lacking and incomplete today? Why do we not observe the Passover sacrifice, which was the center of our Seder in the days of our independence? Why hashatahacha are we today in exile? Because the Romans of 2,000 years ago destroyed the temple. But we shall not allow that destruction to undo us as a people. And so today we practice that very Roman symbol of freedom the inclining on the left side. We adopt the Roman posture of leisure and we celebrate Zecher Lamiktash, remembering everything that occurred in the temple while they, the Romans, are no longer in existence, end quote. The fourth cup of the Seder, like the fourth horn and chariot of Zechariah, embodies the empire of Rome. To follow that final cup with next year in Jerusalem is to ponder the miracle of the Jews that outlasted Rome and returned to Jerusalem. The four cups thus remind us to feel a connection to all of Jewish history, past, present, and future. And while Joseph Joel and his comrades may have exceeded these four cups, 
the message of the number four remained, I think, with them. In his written remembrance, Joel makes clear that at that Seder so far from home, his bond to the past was felt profoundly, and that this Seder continued to sustain him in the present. He wrote, quote, There in the wild woods of West Virginia, away from home and friends, we consecrated and offered up to the ever-loving God of Israel our prayers and sacrifice. I doubt whether the spirits of our forefathers, had they been looking down on us, standing there with our arms by our side, ready to an attack, faithful to our God and our cause, would have imagined themselves amongst mortals, enacting this commemoration of the scene that transpired in Egypt, end quote. The Jewish faith in God's hand in history, born in the Exodus, guaranteed by prophecy, is what sustained the Jewish people throughout its history, and it will sustain the Jewish people as its history continues until the age when prophecy reappears once again. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together tomorrow, signing off.